Welcome to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. Here we talk about the professional turf manager, the ever-changing products, and the business side of owning a turf management company. Whether this is your first year or your 20th, we hope to have an open discussion that we all can relate with and continue to grow a successful business in the green industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. It is myself, Kevin Salters, with our co-host, Douglas Gray, about 250 miles away, uh, just ending out our week here of getting into the week after 4th of July. We're just going to talk about and catch up on things of what we saw in the past week. I know on the East Coast, Doug had it earlier in the week, and we had it towards later in the week. We got about four to five inches of rain. And we're going to talk that out because, man, do we see some interesting things. How are you, Doug? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, just like you said, interesting things going on through the industry uh, Industry this week. Uh, you know, we had our rains over the weekend. And if anyone's been to Florida and the people that are listening to this in Florida know what Florida rains are. And mm. that's what we had. I remember my son on Sunday was driving back and he got home. He says, man... There was cars pulled over, four ways are on. He goes, it was bad. It's only rain. We're used to snow where we are, but we had that kind of rain. So we got close to five inches of rain over about a two and a half day period. Prior to that, we had 0.9 inches of rain, nine tenths inches of rain, I'm sorry, over the month of June. So we got Zippo before that. That rain hits and then the humidity sets in because it the last rain that we had ended in the evening and we just had grass soup all night long go out the next day start doing some surveying here we go dollar spot is raring its ugly head red thread is there it, it's kind of been there on some of the lawns that have had some improper watering uh, schedules on them owner operator issues but now there's there's pretty much um, in my area and i'm my lawns other lawns synthetic bridge products organic whatever you see we're seeing some dollar spot how about you Oh my God. Uh, and it's funny. Um, yes, it's dollar spot central here in New Jersey. Um, the amount of rain we've had in the last, say, uh, two weeks or so, um, give or take a few days. Um, I think we ended up in the month of June at close to five inches. And already here in July, we are 2.15 inches as I'm looking at my weather uh, uh, bug, uh, not my weather bug app, my weather underground app. So, you know, say, let's say last three weeks, I guess, what, what's today, the seventh? So three and a, three, three and a half weeks, we're at like seven to eight inches of rain. Wow. And, you know, we were already stressed um, going into this um, from lack of water to, un, you know, irrigated lawns not being watered properly to scalping of lawns to not sharpening blades and in some circumstances all the above on the same lawn um and we get this kind of weather and the sun's hardly out and again we talked about this last week is leaf wetness you get the leaf staying wet this long for prolonged periods of time and this is just boom dollar spot heaven um one of the dollar spot heavens i should say but um you know it's funny i i always heard like you know people tell me like oh you know people who don't even take care of their lawns don't even get these problems well i was over at my parents house today because my father's having some health issues and uh he uh he was in the hospital earlier in the week and uh um so we were over there visiting him today my daughter and i before she goes back to raleigh next week went and saw a few customers this morning and went over there my parents do not take care of their grass nor should i expect them to they're in their 80s and uh it's just red thread central all throughout their lawn and uh you know when you're having this kind of weather these things are going to happen whether you like it or not it's just the way it is so i'm obviously seeing the same things here I did go out and do a cruise through lawns yesterday in my wife's car so I could run uh, incognito just, just to mm -hmm. get a gut check because I think all of us as turf managers, we may worry a little bit more than the client does themselves because we really know what's going on. We know mm -hmm. what is going to happen if things go the other way and start going sideways in, in a real fast minute. I was happy to say that most of my lawns Sure, they have dollar spot, 
<clears throat> nothing super, super severe and kind of to the client's eyes, they may even take it into still some drought stress because we were so dry. We mm -hmm. are we are getting some green back, which is good. But you know the way it's filling in, it's not filling in because that's a dry spot. You know it's not filling green in that area because it's actually a fungal issue, which Yeah, it's coalescing. Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna stay the course. I think things are are drying a little bit better. Our humidity's dropping off, which is good. It it's you can one, take some of ours. <laughs> well it's yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's such a curse because we've needed water for so long. Uh -huh. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Pray for it. And we get and we get it at the wrong times. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. So what I firmly believe in, and I think what has helped curb the calls and or emails is constant contact with my customers. Getting ready to send one out next week with the decision that you and I made of changing my application three to a different product of what I already have in stock just to help push this along through. And again, that I think just being in communication with them and re them realizing that I'm actually managing their turf and the mm -hmm. conditions that are warranted are not my fault. And I don't think that the customers really ever think they're your fault. I think as a turf manager, we take them as if we think it's our fault. And that's, I want guys to, and ladies to really just take a deep breath because I get stressed out in it. Trust me, my blood pressure goes up. I want to go out and scout lawns just because I feel guilty. They're putting their trust in me and then mother nature throws us a rat's nest and, and we're going to navigate through that. So I, I think we being in constant contact with your customers, letting them know that you are a professional and your eye is on the prize. I mean, you're, you see the problem and you're looking for ways to rectify that without having to go into a fungicide application. It's always there if they need that. But if we can steer the ship without doing that, I think that's a better option. Well, you know, get, I'm glad you mentioned word fungicides because, you know, some, I'm glad to hear people are listening. I got a couple phone calls from a few people this week about, you know, why I don't like fungicides because we tend to only use um, one mode of action um, when there is, you know, multiple diseases going on, like I had mentioned earlier. So, you know, and again, this is going like you can even talk about uh, synthetic fertilizers. It's not that I hate these things or that's that's the wrong word. I just choose not to use them. I it's I just feel they're not as effective as because of the methods that have to be done after the fact to get these things translocated through uh, through the plant. So a lot of times, you know, the homeowner's just not going to do what you ask them to do. You, these things need to be watered in quickly. Then number two, you know. Azoxystrobin seems seems to be the choice of fungicide because it's very inexpensive. Well, brown patch isn't our problem right now. It's dollar spot. So if you're just spraying azoxystrobin, more than likely you are making that dollar spot worse. So throw some propiconazole in there with it if you haven't used it already. And because you always want to use different modes of action. And now you're combating dollar spot and brown patch at the same time so if you do have this humid weather continuing and you're fertilizing maybe you can help offset the brown patch problem as well so it's important to to do that um you know it back in the day that's how we sprayed fungicides but again we were able to use chlorothalonil or uh vincloslin and things like that as contacts to help offset these things we don't have that luxury today so if you're not having success with your fungicide applications, that would be a tremendous thing to do. And if you're one of those who do them preventively and you're able to survive this, kudos to you. But another thing that you may want to think about is throwing phosphites uh, in your tank. It's not a very well-known lawn care pr product, very well-known in the golf market. It does a phenomenal job on brown patch and pythium. It is not a dollar spot control. Um, but is much less expensive than using the zoxystrobin if you want to control dollar or a brown patch and pythium. Um, but nobody talks about it. Why? Because they're phosphites and it doesn't have fungicide on the label. Well, there are fungicide labeled phosphites. Um, just got to talk to your provider and talk to them about it. Um, most people think that they're just fertilizer, but they're not. They're phosphites have you know an active ingredient in there that, that helps control these diseases which is in a product like signature in the golf market uh or aliette that's in the ornamental market um and 
the, the active ingredients are aluminum tris. Well, phosphite has those capabilities as well. So definitely something to think about uh, mixing with your fungicide as well. So if you want to go out with the propiconazole, mix it with a phosphite. And there is no resistance on phosphite. So the next application, if you don't have dollar spot and you're just targeting brown patch, throw in phosphite with a zoxystrobin. That's how you maybe save some money instead of throwing two different fungicides in there because fungicides are expensive. We know that. So with the phosphates, would an amino acid work as the same or the phosphate no. gives it that the kicker no. that it needs? Ph phosphates and amino acids are two different animals. Um, you know, phosphate, like I said, there are phosphates that have that fungicide label. You are going to pay more for them because it has that fungicide label um, than a regular phosphate. You know, typically phosphates are a 0026 in the label, on the label. I can sidebar that privately if you like to talk about it because there's there's different things to that. Um, or you can go to a like a reliant type product, which is a a uh, fungicidal phosphate. So it has brown patch and pythium on the label. It also has all ornamentals and vegetables on that label too. With the labels like seems like it's like ninety pages long. Um, and there's other ones out there. Um, but in reality, they're all the same product. It just has a different label to it. That's all. Got it. Now, oh, with with all these, I'm going to say in my area with the brown patch that's out there, it's not, I had it really bad last, no, two years ago. Well, mm -hmm. even last year. I think I sent you those pictures. It was last year. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep, I remember. In a, just a couple neighborhoods. Thank goodness I haven't seen it that heavy or that prolific in the lawns that I have scouted. Now that's just a small sample of what I've seen. What in your experience, just with normal applications of round three going on, they're going to be able to push that through without needing to do some type of cur curative to it. You said brown patch or dollar spot? Uh, dollar. No, don't have brown patch. Thank goodness. Um, Knock on wood. You know, the old talk about in the industry is just throwing some nitrogen down. You know, depending on the state you're in, you got to be very careful of that because in like in New Jersey, we're only allowed four pounds of nitrogen for the year. Not every state has a fertilizer restriction. Um, it's ideally, yes, dollar spot is a low nitrogen disease. If you look at the classification, when you read about it as red thread, as is red thread, but it's not always the case why it comes out. You know, i.e. why it comes out in August when you have plenty of fertilizer in the soil. Um, it's because it's usually dry and it's not getting to the plant. So the plant thinks it has no food. So it's going to promote dollar or it's going to produce dollar spot or the disease is going to come out, I should say. Um, you know, iron is another thing that people will tell you that will mask it. And I, I, I've seen it. You know, I've, I've done it in the past where, you know, had to put some iron out some of those quick hitting irons that last like seven days um you know those six to nine ounce iron applications that i hear about that stain fences and equipment and all that stuff um products are normally purchased down south oh no they're all they're all they're all over the place I, I see them here in new jersey pennsylvania i mean they're all over the place um you know yes they they definitely do a great job first or you know when they start working but they also do a detriment in staining your equipment and fences and houses and sidewalks and all kinds of stuff. So um, there are iron sources out there that don't stain. Uh, there are not a lot, but there's a few out there that don't stain. Um, they just don't work as fast as an iron like that. But you can get, you know, three to four weeks of control out of it, um, which is if I'm paying for anything and, and I'm going to pay for iron, I want something that's going to last and not last for seven days. You know, $9 a gallon seems cheap or whatever it is, $12 a gallon seems cheap for an iron product. But when you're having to put nine ounces out, it's not really that cheap. Um, that's $36 an acre where there's plenty of other iron sources that are in that, you know, depending on the package size, anywhere between five to $15 an acre just at a regular rate that can do you the same thing. Um, so, but getting back to that, if you're not going to use a fungicide, raise your mowing height, maybe let the lawn dry out a little bit um, because, I mean, obviously you can't stop Mother Nature from raining, but, you know, drying out the lawn will stop it from spreading. Um, 
I don't know how you do that if it's not if it's going to continue to rain. But you know, if you have to put a fungicide application out, put it out. But use something for dollar spot, um, and make sure that you know read the label to see if it needs to dry, and then water it in right away, or if it needs to be watered in as soon as you spray it, because there are different uh, modes of action out there that you need to look at. Um, you know, there's a lot of good dollar spot products out there. Propaganazole is one of them. Um, but you got to rotate it. I know it's cheap, but you got to rotate it. Triademophon is another very good one that never gets discussed because there's not many people that sell it. Um, just dollar spot controls. I mean, obviously, you know, we talked about, you know, chlorothalonil, but you can't use it on the residential turf. Um, but if there is some, you know, golf course guys or um, sports turf managers or commercial properties, you can use it there uh, on turf. So, um, but dollar spot wise only, not a T methyl is another good one, but again, rotate it with azoxystrobin. Um, there's a couple products for BASF that aren't bad, insignia, but these products are not, you know, <laughs> under a dollar per thousand or under $40 an acre. They're going to be in that two to three dollar per thousand range. And, and most of the people that I talk to, if they're going out to do a fungicide, are typically charging two to two and a half times an application rate, which you you need to get just for product costs. And you have to remind the customer and your schedule of being back in 10, 14 days, whatever that product is requiring. Because it, it's like not finishing your prescription from the doctor. If you don't follow it through, you're, it's going to come back and bite you. Look, preventatively, the label will tell you a rate at for 14 days then they'll have another rate that'll tell you 21 to 28 days some will tell you 14 to 28 days um relying on a fungicide the last 28 days even preventatively hmm, we're having the perfect weather could last you the entire summer <laughs> um not that it's lasting that long but you know you probably won't get disease if we're having the perfect weather but and we the weather here we, we can't count on northeast weather. exactly and it's not the weatherman it's just our weather has just been very radical lately and it's swinging from one to the other and not, no happy medium between exactly you know and i'm glad you said what you just said a couple minutes ago about intervals um you know one of the things i think that are lacking a lot and don't get me wrong it's a money thing, so I understand why it doesn't happen all the time. But when you have a disease, and especially the outbreaks we're seeing with Dollar Spot right now, one application is not going to do it unless the weather turns or you're putting a fertilizer in with that fungicide. So that might not be a bad idea if you're spraying a fungicide. Throw a quarter pound of liquid nitrogen in with it, a tenth of a pound, two tenths of a pound, something like that. Um, that'll, that'll probably do a better job for you. Um and more cost effective and more cost effective um but at the same time it's you know i think one of the reasons what not not the main reason but one of the reasons why a lot of guys like spraying is because they can put they can control what they're doing so if they're putting biostimulants in and can like hampering these things before they even become a problem kudos you know Biostimulants, I think, are key in the lawn care market. I think there's some people out there that will disagree with that. Um, I think there was a Facebook post the other day on one of those groups. I think there was some battling going on amongst it, and uh, I just laughed. You know, if you don't believe in something, cool. That's your that's your call. Don't have to crucify other people because they believe in something. Um, and I think the proof is out there in any direction that you go but it's it's like riding a bike you have to start with training wheels and if you're going to go bridge and then you're going to go liquid bridge and then you're going to go completely liquid for a your entire program that is a that's a slow progression there's nothing you can't jump in two feet into the the ocean and say here we are we're liquid and our lawns are going because our lawns are addicted to our services. They really are. And and, mm -hmm. and it's funny because I drive by some old farmers' yards and lawns, and they don't do anything. They mow that stuff within a quarter inch of its life every single week. I swear, <laughs> the, I swear they're mowing the clover out of it so short. Yeah. But we got that five inches of rain in two and a half days, and their lawns are banging. I mean, you it's know, crazy. When, when I was doing what you all do um, – People used to ask me that all the time. Like, they don't even take care of their grass across the street, and their lawn looks better than mine. Well, 
once you sign that agreement to have your lawn treated, you're putting nitrogen down and you are opening your lawn for issues regardless. Um, your turf is going to be much more succulent than that lawn across the street that doesn't get taken care of. Now, like I said earlier, not the case this year because I'm seeing disease on non-taking care of lawns right now. Um, but a lot of times you'll see that and it's like, well, we're putting fertilizer down to keep your grass green. This is also one of the reasons why people spray more, especially in between that second and fifth round to control the amount of nitrogen that we're putting down. So we don't enhance that chance of getting uh, disease. So the more, the more succulent that turf is coming into the summer, the more likely you're going to have a disease problem. And when I say that, I'm talking about like brown patch and some very other serious diseases. You know what I mean? Dollar spot, it can happen whether you got high nitrogen or low nitrogen. I mean, I think if if you're not paying attention and you're not seeing that right now, then sorry, um, because I'm seeing it on lawns that probably have three pounds of nitrogen on it per thousand square feet. And I'm seeing it on lawns with a pound and a half per thousand square feet right now. So the nitrogen side doesn't matter. It could be a timing thing, maybe. Um, you know, where somebody might have been out, you know, a week right before, before the rain. The ra yeah, right week before the <clears> rain, <throat> and it was able to get, you know, watered in. That definitely could be the case. And, you know, go, if you are one of those, kudos to you because you got lucky, <laughs> you know? You know, it could be irrigated um, lawn. And there's so many yeah. variables. And, and, Absolutely. And I know we have talked about that for that reason. Um, I've said, I'm like, holy cow, I'm on this property, and the neighbor, 100% synthetic, and his lawn is banging, but... You look at the tag out front, it was three days ago. They're 100% irrigated, watered in well, cool nights. It just, it took it in when it needed to at the exact time, at the right time. Exactly. exactly. And you can't beat yourself up over it. Nah, look, you know, I know homeowners are tough. I used to deal with them all the time, and they are tough. Um, they think that they're spending a lot of money, and, you know, whether they are or not, that's a, you know, Again, I like to break that down question. to our applications are treating your property for five to seven weeks. Yep. So that ticket price of you being there is really you're getting five to seven weeks worth of value out of it, which they are. And it, again, mm -hmm. the thing with turf is there's no quick fix. So nope. it, it, this is, I tell all my clients, it's new clients, it's, it's a two-year cycle to get them to where I'm happy with their lawn. You're going to see some changes and... I think the first season you're going to be happy. It's not going to be until the second season that I'm a little bit more comfortable letting go of the wheel of the property because I know things are dialed in, our soil samples are coming back, our soil tests are coming back to where we know the positive swing is coming. But we get into, and I think <clears throat> um, Stout, Chris Stout said this perfectly, you know, this is the time where customers think to themselves, why, are we, why did we hire a guy? Because in the spring you look like a hero, we go through the marathon right now, the 100 days of hell, we look like a bunch of zeros. And then September rolls around October and the rebuild happens again where we start pushing and helping that plant get ready for the winter nap that's coming and waking up very well in the spring. Uh, you know, it also comes down to expectations, right? Um, you know, I think it's a question that may or may not get asked. I don't know because, you know, I don't do it. I don't sell lawn care programs anymore. Um, but, you know, it was an expectation that, you know, I would talk to customers about when I was out looking at lawns, new, new customers coming aboard, doing an estimate, whatever. And, you know, when they called for the estimate, I would call them and I'd ask them, what are you looking for? What are your expe expectations out of lawn care? Do you just want green and weed free? And, you know, probably 60% of the time, that's what people want. And then at the end of the day, you explain to them, like, look, you know, there's times of the year that, you know, Mother Nature is going to uh, pretty much control everything. And your law may not be green or you might get a disease or an insect. And if you don't want those services, that's cool. But we may have to talk about seeding in the fall. Um, or if their expectations are, I don't want to worry about this. I want someone to manage my irrigation. I want someone to make sure my lawn is green all the time then that's where you get on the golf course program and spend $5,000 a year for a 10,000 square foot lawn. Um, you know, and once you mention that number, people kind of like, what? 
Do you know how much it t- main- takes to maintain a golf course? <laughs> too a much, lot of money. Too much. A lot I, of money. Yeah, it, it's amazing that and they've got a whole different variable. Obviously, oh, the, absolutely. The wear and no. tear, the yeah. the height of turf, the yada yada. That's that's crazy. So, you mentioned, and I think this is probably a good way to talk about seed. I heard the word grass seed overseeding in your program. If you're happy with the, let's say the baseline product that we're going to give you or service that we're going to give you, but obviously in the fall is going to be a great time to rehabilitate the turf with some new cultivars of grass. Mm-hmm. what's new in the grass market? Because here we are basically halfway through our season and seeding season, I hate to say it, is not far off our heels. Dude, it is six it's, weeks away. Don't even say that because, man, there's so much work uh, to crazy, do before that's it? ready to happen. So um, as I think I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I'm big on varieties. I'm big on the latest and greatest. Um, there is a lot of misinformation going on out there. I have it amongst my vendors who try to sell me seed and um, <laughs> won this week. And uh, I just couldn't even believe this is what he was putting in front of me. And I basically said, dude, I I don't want those varieties. I want A-list varieties and they need to be zero, zero. And if they show up at the building and they're not zero, zero and A-list, we're just going to turn it away. And, but that's not who most like, or not most likely who we're dealing with this year, but at the end of the day, just so everybody's clear who's listening, if you're okay with buying 20-year-old varieties, then continue to do business with whoever you're doing business with. Or maybe those guys are selling you the latest and greatest. But there's a lot of that going on out there. Um, there's a lot of weed seed in seeds. Make sure you're looking at your seed tag. There is quality, and it's going to cost you a little bit more money than lower-quality seeds. Um, how do I say this? You know, to go back to A-list varieties. So to be considered an A-list bag of seed, that means 65% of that blend needs to be A-list varieties. It could be one variety or it could be two varieties that add up the 65%. And seeds that were two years ago were on the A-list, are not on the A-list today. So you cannot call them A-list. There's a lot of research that goes on with these types of varieties that these seed companies pay for, and they're not real happy about it, that what's going on out here. I can tell you that because I called my seed rep out about it, and he, and he basically said, Doug, this is the misinformation that's going on in the industry, and I'll give you the example. So... Um, I can't even think of my favorite titanium GLS. That is an A-list tall fescue. Titanium 2LS is not, I repeat, not a A-list variety. And it looks very, very close when they're typed that's, on a tag. That's correct. That was an A-list variety two to three years ago, but it is not on the A-list anymore. Again, they spend a lot of money in research out in Oregon to develop these new seeds to be more drought tolerant, less dependable on fertilizer, more disease tolerant, gray leaf spot. I'm going to say tolerant because I hate that word resistant, to be honest with you. Um, So, you know, that's why they're, you know, a few cents more a pound. So when you're looking at your grass seed this year, make sure you have that copy of the A-list seeds. If that's what you're interested in, if you're not interested in that, that's fine. That's cool. But if you're not interested in that, make sure you're not buying a bag of weeds because that's what I saw last year. And I'm continuing to see this year is seeds that are 20 years old and are loaded with weed seed. I saw one the other day. It had annual ryegrass as part of the grass seed, and it had 2.4% weed seed and 1.8% crop. So that's almost 4% times anywhere between 400,000 seeds to 2 million seeds per pound. Which people don't get. You're talking about Kentucky yep. bloom size seed yep. in the weeds. So the, the volume per pound is extremely high. And the, the other thing to look at is NTEPs. Um, you can go to the NTEPs. They're online. You can look at them. You know, that's what the universities, Rutgers, North Carolina, uh, I think it's uh, University of Tennessee, uh, Michigan State, this is what they all use to rate their grass seed, rate all the manufacturers' grass seeds. They, these seed companies 
use these universities to make sure their seat is good. And if you're in the Northeast here on July 25th and 26th, the Rutgers Field Days are here. I welcome everybody to come and learn about these cultivars and you can see the difference. It could be color. It could be wear and tear. It could be um, disease resistance or all the above. Things that can handle drought better. Um, <laughs> I saw a seed today. It had Rebel Junior in it. Not today, yesterday. Rebel Junior, a seed tag yesterday. I think Rebel Junior was in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we're having a throwback. Yeah. Mullet. So did, it, did the bag have a mullet? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, companies are doing this to keep cost of seed down because, you know, obviously we all know the last couple of years seed has been through the roof. Um, they're doing these things to keep seed cost down. Um, yeah. Dude, I, I mean, if you want some really, really good prices on seed and you want to buy a truckload, call me. But I can't guarantee that you're not going to have problems down the road. But if you want the really best seed on the market, call me and I'll get it for you. Um, amongst other companies out there. Um, but that's the misinformation that's going on on grass seed out there. It's kind of troubling to, in my in my opinion, because I I just don't want to get into that game. Well, I, th um, I think it's it's very easy to take a seed tag and put a bunch of really cool words on there varieties and it's it's very difficult to, to decipher i mean you really mm -hmm. again we, well, we go back to the planning part of it but it's tough when you need a bag of seed but if you're looking to get ready for your overseed season you really want to get the varieties themselves and take a little time and google them if again i agree with you 100 percent. if you need to buy a fairly inexpensive product to satisfy your pricing structure or the client's expectations financially there it is and they're out there walk into your big box places like site one they have them and you can get by and do an okay job if you are running into the issues that i am and other people of the earlier part of our conversation of dollars bot red thread other diseases coming in this is the time that we want to bring in new cultivars that are going to help help reduce never are we ever going to eliminate that right. but if you have a problem customer that has and i'm not gonna say problem customers if you have a customer with a problem lawn that is very prone to disease well i bet you if you do a little research and and i can go back we have we're, we're in a lot of farmland but a lot of farmland that gets developed in the houses and of course we know the contractors are going to strip that topsoil down come back with a bare bones minimum so our organic level down below is very minimal and then the builders putting in a grass seed that is very inexpensive and really a lot of my not customer complaints but my complaints on customers that i'm not happy with their lawns are in that exact situation so now you've got a double double your biology is horrible in the soil on top of the cultivars that that guy you or the builder used is not something that i would have picked there's a perfect opportunity to start integrating very expensive seeds for the purpose of really rebuilding their lawns and making them less stressful on you and less re needing of chemical control throughout the season next year so here's a little test so whoever you're going to buy your seed from ask them for the seed tag before you buy it and then compare yeah and, and again it just you you have to have the time to do that and a phone call correct but I, I again when you're when your nose is in the furt everyone's true grinding true. grinding grinding but i think our job is to help talk to people to know that that is part of their job and it will help them immensely on the back side of it because mm -hmm. i've said it a million times you can go out and fertilize you can do weed control you've got depending where you are five to seven maybe eight applications to make adjustments and make that right but when you overseed you got one shot baby one time yep. and to, to give you an example, um, so with the seed issues this past, I'll say, two years that we've had, so a sod farm of mine, um, who I won't mention, um, he has a 40-acre field that he had to turn over because the seed that he put down was 
apparently contaminated with annual ryegrass. I've never seen so much annual ryegrass in my life. I'll never, I'll, I'll never like, I'm not going to bash who it was or anything like that, but he had to turn it over. And basically he lost, I'm going to guess a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. I don't know how much it costs for a pallet of sod or how many pallets come out of it, out of it at a 40 acre field. I don't know, but it was that bad and it would not die. It wouldn't go away. He turned it over. So I don't think we want that in the residential setting. Have I seen it getting worse? Not annual ryegrass, but I've seen other grassy weeds getting worse in our industry, and that's poa triv. And I do believe it's part of it. It's not just the, some of the seeds that we're buying, but it's also seeds that the homeowners are buying from Home Depot, Lowe's, and those kinds of things that have weed seed on the tag. I mean, it's there. Um, so if we can eliminate that problem, we can make our turf a lot better just by that standpoint. Um, that Because then our turf isn't uh, competing with weeds. Another big one, and, and I don't want to throw the variety under the bus, but because I've seen other people in other parts of the country have great success with it. In my Bingo area, it, <laughs> Bingo. I, knew, I knew where you were going. Yeah, in, in our area, it just does not do well. We never can keep color in it. It does not. Ha- and, and I read up on it because I have two customers where the builder gave it to them and it says it's drought resistant. It's great color. It's I've thrown the book at it, and we can't get anything in there for love whatsoever. It's it's crazy. This is, I guess, my let's see. I'm gonna say ninety five probably. There's a, a big company, commercial company in New Jersey, who the company I worked for then, Lipinski Landscape um dealt with a company called weitzel and i think they're still around i don't really know because i obviously don't go into commercial sites anymore unless i'm asked um but they were a big commercial building like leasing company management company whatever you want to call it uh in new jersey in southern new jersey and somewhat in pennsylvania and the first buildings that they would that we were building it was all k31 all k31 and i remember it was my first year there and the general manager was like dude we got to get these properties greener man they're they're complaining i'm like dude i can't get k31 greener unless you want me to paint it so i said look and i'll prove it to you dude it was like june 15th or so in that ballpark and i took ammonium sulfate and I said, look, I'm going to put something down that makes lawns green like you wouldn't believe right away. After it gets watered in, it's probably three days, right? And, dude, it didn't even touch it. I was like, this is K31. It doesn't get any greener than this unless you paint it. We didn't have paints back, like paints like we have today, or I would have done it. Um, but it's just funny because that the, was the claim of fame. Drought resistant? Oh, Yeah. Dude, it could be two weeks into a drought and it was still the same color it was two weeks prior. <laughs> you just can't you know tell. I mean? <laughs> yeah, you just couldn't tell that it was, it's just, it doesn't change color unless we're in a major, major drought. Um, but yeah, I, I find that funny that it's still sold. And <laughs> twice, three, maybe three to four times a year, I get asked about it. And now, the, the trick about it is like when, when you go into tractor supply, and I see it there all the time, Yep. it says Kentucky. Uh-huh. 31 and people just oh it's gotta be yeah and it's 80 bucks a bag i mean i i see it there quite often going to get dog food it's just like wow that no please 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 don't do it don't do it you know the place where it should be built put and it's not is basins right water retention <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like, well, like erosion that's control i'll never understand it because it's a great establisher and once it once it once it gets established, you ain't getting rid of it. That's a you sad know, so, part when you're trying to get it out of a lawn. <laughs> yeah. So I, I find it funny that it's not used in basins or even part of the mixture. I mean, maybe it is and maybe I'm wrong. Um, I see a lot of fine fescues, ryegrass, and bluegrass in in basins. I don't ever see K31 in the mixes because um, I use a company down in in the, in the southern areas to make those kinds of seeds for me because uh, – um, 
you know, I, who cares what a basin looks like? You just want it to be established. You know what I mean? It could be the worst seed in America, to be honest with you. And it's got weed seed in it. So what? Uh, unless it's like a, obviously a basin that you can maintain around it and not in it. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, getting back to grass seed, it is so important to make sure that you're buying a quality bag of seed. And I can't stress it enough. So, you know, let's let's talk about overseeding. And, and I was in a conversation this week with a gentleman, Ian, who is a listener. He's out in Kansas. Um, and I'm not going to say his last name, just I'm sure. I know but, you talk about. Okay, cool. Um, great conversation. Younger, younger person in the business, mm-hmm. which is even more impressive, which I love. Actually going to be meeting with him in February down in the south. But, um, you know, what are your recommendations for rates of overseeding? And and, I, and I'm going to go after you, but I'm going to let you go first since I'm on the turf and you're not on the turf. Well, it depends on the situation, okay? So if we're talking about you're stripping a lawn, you're killing a lawn, whatever you do, you know, if you want to strip it after you kill it or just kill it and, you know, slice seed and, and, or, and aerate and all that stuff, it, it really depends on the situation. So... Um, if that's, let's just say we're total restoration of a lawn depends on the seed you're using. And so I am a firm believer. Um, you know, I think there are old people out there who will be combative on this, the way I will say this, if you want tall fescue, just you're starting over. I recommend you have bluegrass in that blend to help that knit together at least 10%. Okay. Could not agree. Um, okay. Now, now. And I'll go further when we talk about the next process. Um, so if you're going to do that, you know, probably in that five to six pound range is sufficient because you have bluegrass in there. Okay. The bluegrasses today don't take 21 to 28 days if you're using a current variety. These older varieties that people are still using, there's one I saw yesterday that is 35-year-old variety that a seed company wants to put in my blend. I will not buy it. That that particular bluegrass will take probably 35 days to germinate in this climate. And I'm just like, it can't, we can't, you know what I'm saying? So it, you got to look at what seeds you're getting. So, and it goes to tall fescue too. These newer varieties don't take 14 days. They take anywhere between seven to nine days if we're having good weather. Obviously, the further the season goes, it's going to take longer. We're mid-October, and it's highs are 65 and the lows are 45 at night. It's gonna, Obviously, it's going to take a little longer because soil temperatures are cooling down. Um, but in prime season in September, seven to nine days for tall fescue germination. So, you know. Anywhere between, I'm going to say, five to seven pounds for a 90-10 in that ballpark. You know, tall fescue, six to eight. Perennial ryegrass, probably in that same ballpark in in total restoration. Now, there are some people who will come back and say, well, why don't you just put more seed down and let the unhealthy or the, the healthy plants outcompete the unhealthy plants? Well, I'm going to give you that example why that's not a good idea, because eventually that canopy is going to get so thick you're going to have a tough time getting nutrients down to where it needs to go unless you are a sprayer meaning spring you know liquid fertilizer so the thicker it sounds great the thicker the lawn the better but then the canopy is going to be more humid because it's so thick in the summer you're going to be more prone to disease when it's really really thick Part of my issue that I think I'm having at my own personal lawn and my front lawn right now is that reason that my lawn is so thick. And it's not from overseeding. It's just because I think what I've been doing the last couple of years with putting soil amendments in and using, um, you know, beneficial bacteria and things like that and things that are building the root system. It's just it's creating a a denser uh, stand of grass. So this, I'm either going to kill my lawn this fall <laughs> or I'm going to go in and just freaking, you know, thatch it 500 times. I don't know. Uh, you know, slice seed it five. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Um, but anyway, um, so it depends on the situation. Look, you know, you're going to go to a lawn that it's got one bad area. That's bad. You know, say it's a thousand square feet and the rest of the lawn is good, but you're going to aerate the whole thing. 
do you need to put six pounds of seed down in the other 9,000 square feet? Right. You know, so on that 1,000 square feet that's really bad, that's where you hammer home and go to town. But I encourage you to use soil amendments that time of the year. Just don't use starter fertilizer. You know, maybe put a lime application down according to, you know, using a soil test. But, you know, there's there's things out there like uh, biochar humic acid combinations. Um, I'm actually putting that, going to put that one down on my lawn this fall when I do this because it's a nice granular product. You can use it as a top dressing or just an application. It's your call. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a different situation for everything out there. Kentucky bluegrass is because I'm I'm kind of thinking I want to I want to make my lawn a 365 bluegrass lawn, and I want to I want to do it and use a real mower to cut my grass next year. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but I kind of want to I go this route. I think I, I don't know if I will, but I'm just I'm just playing around with the idea right now. Well, anyway, so when you're bluegrass is expensive, right? You know. I don't know the exact cost of 365 right now. So, uh, but last year, because it is an MSRP product, it can only be sold at one price. So, it's even though there agency is people, pricing. yes, even though there's people out there who don't follow the rules, um, it is an agency type product. They want you to sell it at a minimum price because they don't want the 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 industry to be hoard out on that because it is a great seed. The seeds take 14 days to germinate, sometimes sooner. And the color on them is absolutely phenomenal. They can tolerate low heights of cut, even though some people will disagree with that. Um, and uh, But the seeding rates aren't as high as tall fescue and ryegrass because they're – don't kill, the, kill me if I'm wrong on this, but I want to say there's 2 million seeds in a pound of those of that bluegrass mix. So if you're putting, you know, two pounds per thousand down on a 10,000 square foot lawn, obviously you're going to need a drop spreader for that. Um, you know, probably where you need to be, you probably have to touch up some areas down the road, but at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that's all you need with bluegrass is about two pounds per thousand. And again, I could be wrong. Um, so a tall fescue lawn and I'm just going to use a number. This is not what I'm selling tall fescue at. I'm just using a number because I'm not going to put my price out on air because it also varies on how many bags that you do use. <laughs> um, so we're just going to call it $150 a bag for tall fescue like it was last year. And again, not the price, but I'm just using that for a number. Um, let's just say you're going to go out at five pounds per thousand because it's a half decent lot. Well, you're going to use, let's say, 30 pounds of seed. So that bag is going to cost you how much? 100. Let me get my calculator out because I can't do math in my head anymore. <laughs> or at least fat, quickly, at least. So um, if it's 100, it's $3 a pound. Uh, so 90 bucks. Right? So it's going to cost you 90 bucks. Yep. So let's just say the bag of bluegrass is $300 and you're using two pounds per thousand. It's going to cost you a little bit more money. But it's not this drastic amount that people think that it is. Again, just like fertilizer and chemical prices, you should be looking at the cost per acre, cost per thousand, and then in turn, what you're getting out of it. Like we talked about last week, if the product isn't working and it's cheap, it's more expensive. 100%. So think of it that way. Um, I like bluegrass and blends if you need it. No. I also recommend it to people to buy, take a few bags of the 365 or other bluegrasses with their blends that they're getting, right? And then when you have that lawn that you come across that has that 2,000-square-foot area, throw a little bluegrass down with it. Why not? I I always use a bluegrass, and bluegrass that's mix up our way to, to, like you said, to stitch, to sew it in. And that's fine. Fill There's in the nothing voice. wrong with that either. Nope. There's it, nothing wrong with that either. But with all our new mechanical devices of going out and overseeding, so I I have a Z-Max Z-Plugger. You know, that was the cat's meow back in the day. <clears throat> so I had that. I also have the overseeder attachment with it, which is never going to 
get through a turf layer for it. I mean, those are those are good for dirt areas. And I, I do a lot of seeding for a couple of landscapers in town after they've done a hardscape or the pool goes in. So I'm doing that two directions. Knives are barely down. Star wheel dropping it. Just sewing in a beautiful, beautiful lawn. I love that. And then I also have a stinger, a 30-inch stinger. Matt from Nutmeg State, he had the Toros with the chains, and you could really rototill a lawn with them. You really could break up the soil and get some good soil-to-seed contact. Even with the stinger, as as a more advanced as it is, and you can turn, and you don't have the maintenance of all those chains, it's tough to get an aeration really scarification that you used to get out of the toros or out of a hand unit itself so i'm finding and i know last year was just an anomaly with we're thinking lack of biology in the soil and our germination didn't do well um i'm i'm showing in my records that more seed needs to go down per 1000 square feet when you're stinging even at two directions and i try to go three if i'm doing a, ser a serious one i'll do one direction overlapping so you're getting a double and then i'll come back the other way dropping seed each time and there's still some of the lawns that didn't get watered in properly or we had our problems you can see just where the plug holes actually took germination and you know it looks like that baby doll's hair or cornrows in a way um so i'm really the more advanced and the faster we want to go with these machines, I think the more diligent and the more you're going to save on labor when everyone says, oh, I can charge less because I can do it faster, which you should never do. But I think you're going to need to take some of that cost that used to be in labor and put it into applying more seed for better satisfaction on the lawns. That's my experience of what I'm seeing, and that's what my plan will be this year. Um, just from, I know last year was weird. Everyone had some germination issues. Maybe. Yep. I can't even say some germination issues, uh, more than some germination issues. But, you know, Ian and I were chatting back and forth of, you know, what should you charge and this and that. And people are well, with, with the faster get, machines let, let's are charging. Let's talk about it. Yeah. No, let's talk about that's it. That's why we're here. Because, you know, it's funny. It's a car. I get asked that, too. And I'm like, I, I, dude, I don't know what your costs are. Um, you know, you again, we talk about knowing your numbers, right? And... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got an email from another seed company that is trying to uh, shove seed down my throat. And I've told them no about five times. Um, anyway, <laughs> where are we at? I'm sorry. I chuckled. Um, Over, overseeding and uh, pricing, so, knowing your numbers to charge the proper costs. Because you, you, everyone's you, price may be a little different than others, depending yeah. on their overhead, their, their price structure, their, their cost structure, all that. I um, Now, this is... And this is from 19, oh no, not 19, 2001 to the end of 2000 and no, 99 to 2006. Okay. I was a high end company. We weren't, we were the cheapest or the most expensive company, probably, I'm going to say, in the tri state area. Uh, we didn't do anything cheap. Um, we provided a really good product from basic. Basic was an eight-step program that included a soil test and aeration every year. It wasn't an, it wasn't up for negotiation. Aeration was part of your program, and how we got that dude to this day, I don't even know how we did it. We we either we either got aerated in the spring, or you got aerated in the fall. That's just the way it was. So we were doing about twenty-five hundred aerations just as a program a year at, with those. Ryan walk behinds. That's what we had back in the day. Um, just as if you were as the basic program, it was part, it was an application charge. So let's just I think back then a 10,000 square foot long, we were probably 90 bucks back then. So that was your aeration charge. Now we also um over did a lot of seedings in the fall, a lot. Because people who didn't want to be on the deluxe program and seeding was included in your deluxe program, um, people who didn't was wasn't on that deluxe program. Don't get me wrong, we didn't like force people to seed. It was usually due to lack of you know watering practices or mowing the wrong way or Mother Nature just won that year, whatever it might be. For double aeration, two aeration, two directions, 
if it was a really bad area, we would just tear it up, you know, with the aerator and go over it five, six times if we had to. Um, we were $60 back then for slice eating and that's uh, per thousand per thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. Yes. That didn't include seed. That was just for aeration. $20. Uh, no, that's no, I'm wrong. That was seed and aeration, two directions. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. That I, I misspoke and I I'll, I'll admit it. Um, for slicing and thatching, it was $125 with seed per square foot. Period. There was no negotiating. We used top quality seed, blue tag certified. Actually, there was a couple of years we used gold tagged. Um, and zero, zero sod quality. Um, you know, if you really want to take the next level and not have any chance of having any weed seed in your bag... That's the way to go. But I have I have not yet in my entire sales career sold a gold tag seed all except to one person in what 17, 18 years of sales so far, whatever it's been. Longer than that, I think. Anyway, whatever it's been. Um you know I the costs were more expensive back then. Yes, I understand we have equipment now today that does things faster, but our labor is so much more expensive today than it was back then. It's insane. I'm hearing guys paying 28 bucks an hour and guys are doing 200,000 square feet a day. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I, I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but that like, should be back before day, lunch. I, yeah, that was before lunch, even before 11 o'clock in some circumstances. And it's different. I mean, depending on square footages, I'm I'm in an area where I have larger per mm -hmm. average square foot per customer. I'm not making fun of people. And then you can be in smaller communities where you're looking at that five to six K. And, and that's tough to do. It's that's different. And I preface that I could not do that by hand today because I'm old and out of shape now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's. I think that, you know, we shouldn't be going backwards on prices. We should be going forward. And I hope that, you know, we're not just because prices of seed went down that we're just not going to lower our cost because prices of seed went down. Does that mean if fertilizer drops another 20% that we're going to lower our fertilizer cost next year? Dude, that's your raise. That's your raise that you all been waiting for. We don't give ourselves raises in this industry. So in, in the commercial market, when you're negotiating contracts of maintenance, it's your, your COLA increase, cost of living increase, which mm -hmm. as an owner operator, self-employed, like you said, it we don't project for that very often. And it's very important because like you said, that is, you know, you, you try to give it to your staff, you try to give it to your employees every year because you know their costs are going up, but yours is as well in the business, but also personally. So you have to make sure that you're being fair to yourself for the business to grow, but also so that you're profitable as a person because you should be taking a paycheck from this business on top of profit at the end of the year in the distribution. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, and I think we're all, you know, we, we get these faster machines and we can get on and off of a property because we were the same way. We, we owned two split drum uh, Lescos and then we would rent two more and four of us would roll off a trailer and just walk behind each other, staggered half a pass and, four-time aeration and then you would have to broadcast seed by hand because we didn't have these fancy z sprayers and seed did not come out of a permagreen to save its ass but um i think we're buying these faster machines so we can be off the turf faster but we're forgetting to break in the cost of the sixteen thousand dollar machine compared yep. to a twenty five hundred dollar walk behind so that's very important that we use that cost of business and that that product cost on top of the machine cost and put that into our time on the job even though we're off of it sooner your per hour or per 1000 square foot rate technically goes up because that machine has to be reconciled and also be ready for repairs and also to replace that in three to five years when it's no longer worth its value anymore you know there's a couple of my I'll do a lot of business with these two guys up in North Jersey, but I do enough, you know, um, they're good guys. They pay their bills. Um, they just, 
they like spreading the business around and that's totally cool. Um, and they're, they are really, really expensive and people just call them. They just, cause their, ser- their work is good. Their service is good. Yeah. Do they get people who are like, Oh man, you're double the price of everybody else. And <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with being the highest price guy. Cause you get the customers you want. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they do such good work that their phones just continue to go. They don't advertise. They just grow. It, you know, what, what's that in, organically? Is that how you say that? Yeah, um, 100%. And they're, they're, you know, give yourself that opportunity to make money. The point of that was, is that these guys are, aren't driving, you know, $40,000 pickup trucks. You know, they're driving those $110,000 pickup trucks that they drive around and do estimates in and whatnot. They have a couple shore houses and whatnot. You know what I mean? They're running their businesses to make money, period. Not just to, you know, run a business. You know what I'm saying? Not that everybody does that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I see you just saw my text. So Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, 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 not at all. So uh, just you may have heard some seagulls in the background, some weird different noises. I'm actually remote. Um, we're doing this remote on a boat, and I'm on a little vacation, and Doug is on a little vacation. And my oh, yeah, wife, next my, week. Yeah, it's coming. And we'll, we'll have one more <laughs> before that. But people have just warned me, my wife and daughter, they're like, hey, the fog has rolled in. And it was a little little soupy on the way down to where we go we go down and anchor and go into a beach and i stayed in here to do the podcast um but i can feel it and it's going to be a low slow ride with radar coming back because it's uh it's soupy out there so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up sorry for the the sudden stop but life happens and and we're gonna continue on with it hopefully we we gave you enough information we have plenty of things to talk about this is we're gonna grab one more broadcast because Doug is going to be going on vacation in the following week and uh, we're not going to make him get on because he's going to a better place. This is kind of something we do all the time. So for me to bring my gear, my family uh, floating home away from home type thing, um, blessed to be able to do it. I figured why not do one while we're here. But again, we want to thank you all for listening, paying attention to what we have to say, reaching out because this week we, we have a ton of people that reach out this week to you and me in questions and answering them off to the side. Um, that is the interaction we're looking for. We're going to continue our talk on seeding season because that's unfortunately, like you said, six weeks away, which is so scary because there's so much work to do prior to that. Um, and uh, the disease season, we'll talk a little bit more of the product that Doug blended for me, especially for my round three. We were going to use it round four. It's not that big of a deal, just swapping my three and four. But I want to talk more about it because I... I I'm so excited for this product to go down for. I'm just going to get to do it now and the reasons why we made that change. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, like, following. Please share this with other turf managers. We are growing, but it is because of you guys and we need that growth to continue on to do this because we do this organically. We don't have sponsors. We are not paying producers. We just do this because we love what we do and we hope that we can share the information with you. So Mr. Doug, any final words? Well, let's hope the uh, weather uh, starts to uh, pan, or even out, so to speak, so we're not battling this every day and you know talking about this every day and getting stressed, even more stressed than probably we all are. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, we're dealing with a living organism. Yeah, that, that is so and true. And these things are going to happen no matter if you're the best or not. And, you know... You can't beat yourself up, you know, then you, you go to one lawn and it looks like crap. You go to the next lawn and it looks like a million dollars. And just think about that for a second. There's got to be something. If you did the same applications on those two houses, what what's the, what's the root of the problem? Lying, the, root, the root of the problem. You know, you got to find that out. And chances are it's either a water problem or a cultural problem or an environmental problem. And, so, And I've said, I said this earlier and I want to say it again. I think we are, much harder on ourselves than our clients mm-hmm. are on us because we we know what we're looking for and we know what to expect. Um, yep. And and we feel guilty 
when something like this happens, even though it's out of our control, but that's what makes us good human beings and why we're Absolutely. in the business we are to serve our clients. And it's very important. And we are serving our clients, trying to give them the best service that we possibly can. Absolutely. So with that said, let's hope everyone has a great week. This will be coming out on a Tuesday and we'll have the, geez, we're in our, that'll be our second week of July. That's crazy. Wow. But we wish you all a great July and we will catch you uh, on the next recording. Thank you very much. See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Turf Nutrition and Management Podcast. We are always interested in topics you would like us to dig a little deeper into. You can submit a topic or a question down below in the comments. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share with friends, and also turn on the notification bell as we continue to talk all things turf and help each other become better turf managers.